0: There are four basic rules to choosing your career. The work has to be the reward. An interesting career is better than a fun career. A career doesn't have to be a straight line, and beware of unhealthy passions. My dream for you is to learn about how careers are built. Each interview shares some gems. Sit back and enjoy. I would like to welcome each of you to the Thinking About Building Your Career webinar series. Today, I am happy to have Dr. Wilsa Malvo, who I will be speaking with today about how she has built her career. And the Thinking About Building Your Career webinar series is for young women who don't necessarily have people who have built enormous careers in their mirror every day and in their view. And it's for you so you can hear the strategies that young women have used to build a life and career that they love from scratch. So, today I want to welcome Dr. Malvo. And am I pronouncing it correctly? You absolutely are, yes. Okay, so great. So, Dr. Malvo, welcome to the Thinking About Building Your Career webinar series. I'm so happy to have you here today and uh, to let all these young ladies know that a track athlete from Stanford (laughs) is now Western president of the Black Psychiatrist Association. Am I right about that? Western Regional Trustee, yes.
1: I I was made a board member, Western Regional Trustee,
0: yep. I want to thank you for taking some time to speak with me today. And give us a little overview. I mean, how did you get interested in the career that you have today?
1: Well, I can definitely say it wasn't a direct path or something that was planned from the beginning um, by far. There have been a lot of, and I'm sure we'll get into it today, but a lot of different changes that took place over the years that kind of led me and guided me to where I am right now. Um, A big part of why I do what I do now is fueled by my experiences as a track athlete, as an athlete in general. I was a four-sport athlete in high school. I was recruited for two different sports for college, both soccer and track and field, and decided to accept a track and field scholarship uh, at Stanford. Um, I had a lot of different experiences from even before getting to the collegiate level um, training for, I was a multi-time junior Olympian, um, was planning on going to the Olympics in high school and because of an injury, uh, which we could always talk about later as well, um, actually wasn't able to go to trials then. Uh, in college, it took years to really get back to the level that I was before um, Mm -hmm. after that injury. And when I finally did, that was super exciting, but had other disappointments that happened um, along the way with that career. So learning about dealing with these injuries, studying that when I did my master's at Stanford and really having that experience as an athlete really fueled my passion for what I do right now. Um, I actually had planned on doing some, a completely different field of medicine uh, when I went into medical school at Howard University. And uh, through a number of changes, realized that it either was not going to happen or I was gonna have to sacrifice more than I wanted to for that particular goal. And I really had to evaluate what is important to me and what are my priorities and what do I really want? And um, when I looked at that and looked at my background in psychology from Stanford and my background with athletics, it just made sense to really come home to doing psychiatry and um, pursuing my hopes of helping athletes through this career that way.
0: That is oftentimes what happens to folks. You know, your lived experience becomes what guides you into what you really do. And what I, you know, just, everything that you shared just reminds me, and hopefully reminds the young people who are listening, is that it isn't a straight line towards anything. Mm-hmm. It's not a straight line towards the Olympics. It's not a straight line towards Olympic trials. It's not a straight line in your career. Absolutely. And what you think you might be doing may not always be what you end up doing. But what I realize is that you always wanted to be a doctor.
1: Yes. That that was always when I was very small, I wanted to be a veterinarian, um, mm-hmm. but we didn't really have any pets besides like hermit crabs and fish. So I figured I better stick more with uh, with people more familiar with that. Yeah. Um, my parents are actually both doctors. My mom's internal medicine physician. She's also the chief medical officer and head of, head of health services at the Library of Congress. And my dad's a dental surgeon and has had a successful practice for longer than I've been alive. So. Um, there was that, but there was never really a push for any of us children to like really go into medicine. So it's just something that I had in me that I wanted to pursue.
0: So you knew what it was going to be like to be a doctor. Oh no. So <laughs> <laughs> Being a child in a household of doctors is not the same thing as
1: knowing what med school is like and residency and yes. and so much changes from the time that uh, my parents went through their experience in the 70s to when I was going through school. So um, no, surprisingly, and I know a lot of people might think that, but there was a, a lot of uh, rude awakenings <laughs> along the way.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but what your view of the medical profession as a career, is it similar to what you kind of thought it was going to be when you decided to embark on becoming a physician?
1: It's actually really different. Um, It's really different. I I think medicine as a whole has changed so much, um, even since when I started and when I started medical school. Um, The landscape, the dynamics in hospitals, and who has which roles, um, there's so much difference now. The things that, you know, a lot of times growing up um, with physician or doctor parents, you know, some trips are because we're going to medical conferences, or there might be things that um, representatives for different pharmaceutical companies can provide for doctors that they were able to take advantage of back in the day. That hasn't been the case for a very long time. Um, so it's very different that way. Also, med school is far more expensive now than it's ever been um, before. And uh, you know, I, having student loans and and seeing how that pans out, and um, managing that as a practicing physician, that's also very different than uh, the numbers that I hear from even other mentors that went to school long before I did. So, there's a lot of change in in the landscape of medicine, but it's still rewarding.
0: Of, of course, I I feel that there you know, is no greater rewarding field than medicine. And I love how you have combined kind of how to work with young people, young athletes, and I'm sure adult athletes Yes. in their walk through athletics and life, you know, and there is a lot of, um, you know, one-on-one conversation that has to take place through injuries, through disappointments in events. I mean, I was an athlete, a scholarship athlete at Howard University. I'm a swimmer. And in the eighties, when I was swimming, there were very few African-Americans swimming. And, you know, going to Howard, it was, you know, you were now with everyone who was the one swimmer on their team (laughs) 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 to everyone who swims and we're here. And I've been an age group swim coach for a long time you know, 25 years, maybe, maybe longer. And just working with athletes and seeing the the ups and the downs and the disappointments and the goals and and everything, you know, watching them get accepted to great colleges. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so much that goes along with that. How, How did you make the transition from, you know, college athletics? And I guess maybe you can talk a little bit about how things changed for you as you moved on through school And maybe uh, what what happened with you in terms of the transition from, you know, college to medical school to a residency? Absolutely.
1: So my career transitions with medicine and my athletic career are there's so much intertwined, um, more than I ever thought it would be. When I was in high school, my plan was to go to the Olympics one time. I didn't plan on making a career out of it. And then I was going to finish school, go to medical school, become a doctor, become an orthopedic surgeon at the time I, I was uh, planning. And, and that was just it. You know, get married, have kids, all, all that I had laid out. I'm, I'm a planner. So I had everything laid out, even timelines of when this was supposed to happen.
0: Most athletes are. <laughs> yes. <Okay.
1: laughs> so um, in college, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it took several years for me to come back. I had an injury. in high school the year before trials um, and had my ankle broken in the soccer championships so i didn't walk for several months after that and just the summer before i started school had just gotten back into training and competing again Mm -hmm. uh, to get ready for college when i was in college it still took a few years to really get back to the times that i had even as a high schooler i was at a high level in, in high school by the time i was in my junior year i had a red shirt year but by the time i was in my junior year it was going great um my dad's country my parents are both immigrants uh, my mom is from jamaica my dad's from Grenada. my dad's country had actually reached out and asked if i could run on their olympic team and uh compete in the event i hated the most (laughs) which was the four by four and uh then i would also be able to pick one individual event that i could do Um, so i was very excited about this and my family's excited about this but at the same time i had several uh teammates um friends that were all already headed to the olympics for either different countries or um for the united states as well Um, i mean some people were literally the best in their event in the entire world um, at that time so my focus kind of shifted and i lost sight of that goal because then it started to be not just about going but i felt like no if i can't do really well or if i can't win then i'm going to embarrass myself um and i had spoken with one of my coaches and asked them their opinion and they said to me well you know let's see if we can get your times down a little bit more and then see what it looks like at the end of the season now looking back now i realized that that was kind of ridiculous because i'd already been invited so i i was already ready i was already enough i was already you know, able to go, but I really got distracted by all those things and I turned it down. Now that same year, um, I was also in a lot of pain. I had some more issues related to that injury um, that had happened my senior or junior year of high school. And I um, had to have surgery. I thought it'd be one and I'd get right back to training. That turned into one surgery every year for the next four years. Um, I still tried to train, but it was never the same. That last season I had um, at Stanford was the worst. Uh, And each year, I just, I kept trying to work through, I had the best surgeons, I had the best rehab team, and it was a lot. So before the 2004 Olympics, which I was hoping to be able to go to, um, I wasn't running the same. Um, There were no offers then for me to run for another country because I wasn't running as well. And I hadn't qualified for the trials yet. Um, my training partner and I were actually in a commercial for the Olympics. And uh, it's really hard for me back then to like hold back. You're supposed to just be pretending, but then you line up a bunch of athletes and tell them to run and everybody's actually running. Yeah. So I ended up uh, pulling my hamstring. And this was months before the trials. I hadn't qualified for trials. And I really had to, I'd already gotten into medical school at that point. Yeah. And I really had to look at, is this something I can do right now? Um, I decided at that point, so I decided to retire, mm-hmm. and in the back of my mind, I thought, I can train in medical school, and there's always going to be another chance I can go in uh, 2008, because to this point, every year, there had been another chance, or every uh, Olympic year. Um, that was not realistic. <laughs> I, I learned the hard way. I got to med school, and you know, it was a whole different ball game than college, and um, I didn't even have a chance to work out for a long time, let alone train. So that transition and realizing that that career was over before I was really ready for it to be over yeah. and realizing the missed opportunities, that was really hard. Um, that was cool. a very hard adjustment. Yeah. And coming in the middle of dealing with a whole new ball game with academics, so um, it, it was an interesting transition. And to be honest, it probably took years to really come to grips with that right. and really adjust my mindset to be um, not just satisfied, but really accept and be happy about the new path and realize right. that this is a new opportunity. Yeah, a new beginning and, and something that's worth, it, worth celebrating too.
0: Well, I mean, this is an amazing point that you just brought up right here is that because so many athletes have missed opportunities right now mm-hmm. because of the pandemic. You know, maybe they were trying to qualify for JOs last year, maybe they were trying to qualify for a regional meet or what at whatever level an athlete is is at. Mm-hmm. It, it just derailed many athletes. And it is difficult to come back and I'd like, you know, for you to share some of your thoughts about coming back, whether it's an injury or whether it's the layoff in the pandemic, and how that affects mental health?
1: You know, it, it does severely affect mental health. Um, you have to, part of being an athlete and competing at a high level is being mentally healthy. I mean, you can have many people who are at the same level of physical um, competitiveness And the person who has their mental game together is going to be able to outperform the other people. You might have someone who's not as fast at whether it's running or swimming or whatever the game is, or not as skilled. But if mentally they're intimidated or mentally they're not ready, they're not going to be as successful as they could be. So with the pandemic, yeah, it's been a lot of change. There's been people who, for that reason, um, have had to deal with premature ending to their career. Um, Missed opportunities uh, for certain competitions, whether it was international or just reaching goals that they personally set for themselves. And that's been really hard to come to grips with for them. Mm, Yes, absolutely. I think that one thing that's important, and I say this all the time with athletes I've worked with, is to remember that people say all the time, life's about the journey, it's not about the destination, and especially when you're younger like it's like yeah yeah it sounds really good but i'm trying to accomplish something right now exactly. but you realize later I it gotcha. really is right <laughs> exactly <laughs> so you realize later it really is about the journey and there's things that you learn about the journey you might think you were doing this for a certain goal but that all might have been a head fake to get you ready for something else and there's certain skills that you learn there's relationships that you build with teammates i'm still Uh, in touch with teammates from even going back to when I was in uh, junior Olympic times. And um, relationships with your coaches, learning about that dynamic as well. There's so many things that you take from that that you can use for success later on in life. So I think that for anybody that's struggling with that right now, to really take an inventory of who they are and what they know now because of what they've already accomplished, whether or not they plan to keep following along in that that, um, activity. And just recognizing that all of those lessons, all those experiences you get to keep, that's yours. And you can take that with you and you choose when you wanna pull that out of the box and use it. So you have tools for success that are yours forever.
0: I, 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 I just think that your comments about the journey of life are mm-hmm. part of the reason that I started my company which is called One Jazzy Life, mm-hmm. because it is about the journey from wherever you are to maintaining health mental and physical. Yes. And also building wealth for yourself because a lot of times everyone is not coming from an environment where there is a, a path laid forward with no no debt and everything is you know paid for and you've got to you know right. build something. So yes. creating that wealth for yourself and then of course joy because there are a lot of disappointments along the way in life. Yes. And how do you maintain that level of joy in your life, and it is strategy, you know, and and you're not walking out of wherever you are and you got it. You do have to put some time into looking into yourself and really evaluating where am I? What do I like? Where do I want to go? And what type of life do I really want to live? Absolutely. And everybody's not a planner like you. <laughs> I, I would say that I'm, not, I'm a planner, but I'm just sometimes running like Forrest Gump. And I'm, I'm, I'm latching on to things that I really love. I enjoy this. I want to say yes to this opportunity. I'm ready. You know, so it's also about being ready to say yes to opportunities when you see yes. it. Absolutely. And I can see that's made an impact in your career for sure.
1: Yeah, you have to be, and this is something I had to learn, because even if someone is a planner, you can't plan everything. There are things that are going to happen that are out of your control that you did not anticipate. Um, And some of these things you're not going to like. Some of them might be pleasant surprises, but some of them might not. You know, failure, I also say all the time, that's a part of the road to success. Mm -hmm. I feel firmly if someone says that they've never failed at anything, they've accomplished everything they tried to do, then they weren't trying to do anything that was big enough for them. There are other things that they could have done, other things, if they're so inclined, yes. um, that if they reached for them, they could accomplish. You don't want to be so afraid of failure that you don't push yourself towards whatever goals it is that you have.
0: Yes. Um, so there is a low bar that's set at times. And yes. as a coach, you know, as a, as a, as a speaking skills coach, which is one jazzy life is about speaking to yourself about your goals and dreams and the life you want to lead. But also as a swim coach, you know, my job is to say, Hey, I'm recognizing that this is a low bar you're setting. Mm -hmm. You need to talk about that because that's not why I'm coming to this practice coaching you every day. Right. You know, so it's a, it's a real, you know, it's a, it's a give and take between a coach and an athlete and I, and, you know, just taking that back and looking at that, what were some of, who were some of the people who really impacted you and your decision-making as you've moved along?
1: There are so many people. I know there are. <laughs> there are so many people. I, I'll, I'll say this, you know, I already talked about, um, my parents and, and their hard work ethic and success, you know, definitely they've been a role model to many people. Mm-hmm. Um, Professor Ewert Thomas at Stanford, he was in the psychology department, I was a psychology major. Uh, My fifth year at Stanford, I had this grand plan that I was going to just take all the courses that were fun. Um, I liked to sing, I was going to take singing classes, I used to play piano, I was going to take music theory and piano lessons and all the stuff that I didn't get to do before and just have a fun year and focus on training for track. Mm -hmm. And He was my advisor, and he basically told me that I would be a fool to not try to get my master's in that fifth year. He said, you're still here, a scholarship athlete, and they're paying for you to be in school. You're not going to waste this year. You need to get your master's. And if he hadn't said that, I, I wouldn't have done it. And my master's thesis was actually a sports psychology thesis. It was focused on the experience of injury and failure in athletes how this affects their interpersonal relationships with their coaches and their teammates, and ultimately their decision to continue or quit in their sport. So my experience with sports and sports psychology started long before I even became a psychiatrist and long before I was even considering that as a career. So if it weren't for him, um, I wouldn't have done that. Um, other people I would mention, uh, these three people I kind of grouped together uh, and I'll explain why, but Miss um, Marilyn King, Dr. Arthur Stewart and Dr. Timothy Benson. Ms. Marilyn King was the head of the SAMHSA fellowship that I did through the American Psychiatric Association when I was in residency. And that fellowship um, is really there to build up people that they identify as future leaders in the field of psychiatry um, who are from underrepresented groups in medicine. And through that fellowship, we get grants of like tens of thousands of dollars towards projects that we have to put a grant proposal together for and and work towards this. And on top of that, we go to conferences, we meet with other mentors, other fellows. Mm -hmm. So um, without that program, I probably wouldn't be where I am today either. There's so many people I met. Um, Ms. King also is the one that introduced me to Dr. Timothy Benson, um, who's now deceased. But he was a friend and a mentor. And he really pushed me to not worry about what others' expectations might be in terms of how this should look or how I should go about this, Mm -hmm. but to really focus on what I was actually passionate about and to pursue those things and really identifying like, with my story and what I've been through. Mm -hmm. um, This is the message I have for people. And this is how I can help people and to go for that. Um, So I will always appreciate him for that. And Dr. Stewart, um, she was the first uh, Black president of the American Psychiatric Association in over 100 years of the organization's existence. Um, She's also the medical director for the WNBA. And um, she's probably the first female sports psychiatrist that I ever, certainly Black sports psychiatrist i ever met. And she's done so much. I mean, she has so many other titles and accomplishments I could list, but she's also another person that's been a role model to many and has been a friend and mentor. So all those people, I would definitely say had a, a major impact.
0: That, that is right there says, what I'd like to talk to young people about is one of the lectures that I give, not lectures, but workshops is about making connections and mentorship. Yes. And it is probably the most valuable part of going to school and looking within your existing network it's not like you have to go so far to find mentors and people who Mm -hmm. are there to let you know exactly what your mentors shared with you listen look within your own story because that's really where you're probably going to make the greatest impact Mm -hmm. and because it's so personal and I'm sure your master's thesis was amazing because you were (laughs) writing that yeah. You could probably feel every word that you were writing as you as you put it out there. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just, I, I love to ask people about who made an impact on them and in them. And of course, parents are, are right up there, but then there are yeah. all these other people that you meet along the way that you're not necessarily sure how they're gonna make an impact, but they do yes. end up making an impact.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I wanna add to that too there's something that I had to learn. Um, This lesson came more in medical school. I'm not naturally an outgoing um, talk to people person. And um, I, uh, when I was pursuing a career in a more uh, male dominated field, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, I saw at conferences, especially being a woman, how some of the other, the surgeons that were there would direct their attention or their questions to the males in the group. Mm -hmm. And I saw this happening And within minutes, I had to decide, no, this is not how this is going to happen. I'm going to make my presence known. I'm going to initiate. I'm going to ask these questions, and I'm going to speak up. And um, so I had to learn and develop that skill because it's so important, not because it's who I am, but because it's necessary. Um, But the other thing I wanted to say is that not everybody that you learn from necessarily needs to be a mentor or that becomes a friend. It can be role models. It can be people that you learn from, from a distance. It could be people that you might not even be particularly fond of, but you'd see the value in what they do. Yes. Um, there's one, uh, a surgeon, um, Dr. Cato Lorenson, who was at UVA, and he was speaking to a group of us at um, a conference. Mm-hmm. And he said something that stuck with me um, ever since. And this was you know, definitely well over a decade, maybe close to 20 years ago. I can't recall right now. But what he said was personal fear, get over it. It'll only hold you back. So I just want to say that for people who, who want to reach out to certain people for mentorship, people who have ideas of what they want to do, maybe they even have naysayers telling them this is not going to happen. Don't worry about that. You know, don't be intimidated. Just you see something that you want to try, you go for it. Because not doing it and being held back by that fear, that's only going to hold you back. And the only failure there is that you never try it.
0: And, and not to mention you will be dogged by that thought of i should have yes years. yeah that that's a natural fact you will it will ruminate in you for years i mean i know this in my own life i mean everybody's got something that oh i should have done that i should have done this and you know what It's it stays with you yeah. and so the best case scenario is to to reach out and try and 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 it is so much fear that young people create and even older people create fear when it's time to go out and meet new people because they think that they're not someone who is able to, you know, meet new people like that's a real skill for them. I mean, you know, like this is a true story about me. I started my career as a sales representative with Pfizer and my father said to me when I told him what the job was, he was like, oh, you're going to last, I give it six months because that is not you. Hmm. Because I was not that person who was going to go up to people, talk to them and, you know, ask, give them the pros and cons of the medicine and ask them to prescribe. He just couldn't see that. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I ended up winning their you know, highest, most coveted award because I learned how to do that. It took yeah. a lot of energy you yeah. know, for me to go from the person that I was to the person who could who could go out and do that. Mm -hmm. And that's a process, you know, doesn't happen overnight. And that's part of what I teach because people think just because I'm not good at this doesn't mean I can't learn this. And that mindset is is going to keep you trapped. It's not the mindset that that I'm going to say proverbially we need. We need that mindset that I can go out there and I can learn this skill. Mm -hmm. And not only can I learn it, I can master it and go out there and do it. That's right. So, and that's a, and, and, and that's great because you've clearly have done that in terms of how you have taken advantage of your mentor relationships and have watched them grow over the years. You, you know?
1: know, something you said, you know, when you talked about your father's uh, interpretation of your plan. You know, I remember uh, when I was getting my master's, um, my dad, he felt that I was wasting my time. <laughs> he was like, No, you're supposed to be going to medical school right now. Nobody asked you to do that. You already had your chance to go to the Olympics, you turned it down, it's time to let all of that go and move on. Um now, of course, things happen the way they were supposed to happen, and there was value in that. But I think that it's important, whether you're thinking about the example you talked about, or um, you know, what my dad said at that time, or even what my coach said when I decided not to go. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even people who care about you, even people who feel like they know you, they can be wrong about these things. And it's not because necessarily coming from a place of malice or that you're not capable, but you have to really realize sometimes you were given the vision. They weren't given the vision. So you kind of have to sometimes actually protect your visions um, because other people, they don't necessarily have it and you don't need to open yourself up. Um, to that type of um, doubt. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Because, you know, it kind of hurt to hear him say that, but I was like, wow, he knows me. What if I, maybe I should look for another job and quit this thing. You know, I said to myself, nah, let let me give this a shot, you know, and and it it ended up being something that, that was I was able to use to get to my vision of my life. Yes. You know, and that's and that's what we're, we're out here trying to do is give everybody a chance to get to the vision that you see of your life. Mm-hmm. And that and that's a that's a great thing. I mean, you know, it won't be a, it wouldn't be an interview with me if I didn't mention Michelle Obama. You know, mm-hmm. that is my queen. I love her. <laughs> and if you haven't listened to the audio or read her book, Becoming. I have both yeah there you go so you know in her book she said you know i'm still trying to figure out what i want to be when i grow up and i think that's one of my favorite lines Mm -hmm. and when when you meet a young person who is confused about what they want to do what do you share with them you know
1: yeah i i share with them the importance of being we talked about this a little bit earlier open but also flexible you know if i was not able to develop the ability to be that way. Because again, naturally that's not that's not me, but I had to learn that. Um, I would have stayed stuck on a plan that when I look back on it and think about what that would look like, I don't think it would be the life, it wouldn't be as good of a life as I have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it would have been as good of a fit as the life I have right now. So being really open, it's fine to have goals, it's good to have goals. Um, it's good to have a purpose and to and to work towards those things. But being flexible, being open so that if something else does come up, you're able to take advantage of it. You know, uh, one of my mentors, when I was pursuing a different field, um, said to me that sometimes, and she was specifically speaking of medicine, um, she said, sometimes you fall in love with two different fields. And if you do, pick the one with the best lifestyle. And that was another um, key piece in me. Uh, making the career shift and the change that I made. So that's other advice that I also pass on
0: from orthopedics to psychiatry.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's a different life. It is. The orthopedic surgeon life versus mm-hmm. the life of, of a person who's in psychiatry. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it just, it's all flowing, all yeah. flowing because, you know, all of the advice that I think you've been sharing today and you know, have been, you know, just doling out the gems for, you know, close to 45 <laughs> minutes and everyone is probably taking home so much. If you could just think about, you know, you know, what are a few lessons and pieces of advice that you would share just to yeah. let folks know? Like if you're in a, at a crossroads and you're thinking about what you wanna do, you know, how, how do you go about building this? so one thing i think is important is to really
1: take inventory of what it is that you enjoy and what it is that you're trying to accomplish because sometimes you might think that it's one direction that you need to go and that's the path maybe that's the path that you've seen before mm-hmm. and the only one that you've been exposed to but that doesn't mean that's the only path so you really have to evaluate what it is that you're trying to do um the other thing is you know I've said before, not to get distracted or discouraged by by naysayers. You don't worry about that. But at the same time, it's very important to keep in mind, again, what your true purpose is or your true goal is so that you don't find yourself caught up trying to prove a point as opposed to pursuing what you're actually really passionate about. Um, So that's another pitfall I would tell people to to avoid. you know, just being fearless, not worrying about um, how things may look, not worrying about if your journey is a straight line, as we talked about earlier. Uh, Most people's aren't. And, you know, it's kind of like social media, you know, everything usually looks great on the outside and people have a tendency to post more of their highlights. But while you're looking at their highlight reel, they're still living their real life and you're comparing their highlight reel to your real life because you know the ups and downs that you've been through. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very important not to do that. You know, the, there is a, a saying that comparison is a thief of joy. Yes. And it is. Uh, it is. And it's an easy trap for anybody to, to fall in, even if you know better. Yeah. Um, but it's so important to really focus on yourself. And if you're going to compete with anybody, you compete with who you were five minutes ago. Compete with who you were last year don't worry about the other people because if you're walking in your own purpose, uh, you're gonna be successful and you're gonna be successful in the unique way that
0: only you can be because you are who you are. Gems, that's all I'm saying, (laughs) Gems. I mean, you're gonna be successful in the way that you're going to be successful, that no one else can be successful in that way. Yes. It's very hard to absorb that as as a young person though. And I didn't grow up in college with social media mm-hmm. you know? and so I really didn't have that view of looking at the success of everyone you know all day every day and my own life mm-hmm. but I just see that this is unbelievably like stressful for young for young women and young guys too because they want to insert themselves in this at the highest level today yes when in fact there is a process to get to that boss life. Yes. And, and what I love about you know, your career and many of the young women that I have spoke, all of the young women that I've spoken to on this, on this podcast is that you really normalize the process of going from college to a career, getting mentors on the first job, maybe it's not the job you really wanted, Shifting over in the company, you know, doing what you know, because it's it's not. Hey, here I am. I'm a director in the CEO suite. Here I am. I'm president right. of. I am president of MCV Sports Psych today, and that just happened an hour ago. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't happen like that.
1: No, not at all. Yeah, it's definitely about the journey, and you have to not just accept it, but realize that. Whether people talk about it or not, they've had their their pitfalls. They've had their struggles too. So you know, it's it's not a smooth road um, for most people, if anyone. So and I think that that's fine to normalize that and accept that and just really know who you are and be confident in who you are and be confident in your journey. Mm-hmm. It's not a loss unless you don't learn anything from what happened. Know. It, you know, something else that uh, I mentioned Tim Benson earlier. Um, in one of our very first conversations uh, me being um a go-getter and and trying to really i was really focused on this new goal i had at the time of now pursuing this career in sports psychiatry and i was a first year resident the first time i spoke with with tim and i had applied um early for the SAMHSA fellowship that i mentioned you're supposed to wait until your second year residency but i was like no i'm gonna do it as an intern and get in there early and start this this train going as fast as possible so that when I graduate, I'm hitting the ground running. Um, and I did research. I talked to other people who had had done the fellowship before and learned about like kind of what they did and what their grant was about. And I constructed something that I thought was, you know, perfect for the application. Um, I did not get in. And I remember speaking with Tim after Ms. King had connected me. And um, the couple of things he said that were key in that conversation one was never turn down free money. And uh, the fellowship came with funds. And he was like, do you know what you could do with that towards building your career and getting exposure and all these things? Like you're going to apply again the next year. And that's when I was supposed to do it anyway. Um, but he also said, he talked to me about his journey. Um, He had been an athlete before, and then he was a uh, sports psychiatrist at Harvard at that time. And He was saying about how he also had to learn. You can't get caught up in feeling like, you know, you've already proven yourself. You've already done all this stuff before. And, you know, you can't feel like, well, do you know who I am? And expect people to just give you things. That's not how it works with life. You have to prove yourself over and over and over again. And and that's just how it is. So he, he said to me, you really have to get recognized outside your organization before you get recognized inside your organization. So he's like, you're going to apply again and, um, you know, just, you're, you have to be humble and just recognize as a part of the process. And I did. And the other thing I did when I applied again was I didn't write about, I can't even remember what I wrote about the first time and what my plan was the first time. When I applied the second time, it was focused on what I was actually really passionate about, which was sports psychiatry. My, my grant proposal, my plans for my career, everything was surrounding that. So I don't think it was just the timing why the second time it happened. I just think that because I was able to show up with my authentic self at that time and really talk about what was important to me and not what I felt like people wanted to hear. um, I think that made all the difference.
0: Yeah. I have to say that was a, that was the theme of a, of a a webinar I was on last night. My son is a sophomore in high school. Uh So, you know, I'm getting, we have to get on these webinars about you know his college process that's getting ready to start next year. And, you know, You know, parents are always concerned about the essays and really what it was about was just what you said. Let the student be the best student that they can be, but let them bring exactly you know what they're interested in right now to their essay, and how it relates to their life and where it fits. And if that if that's what they're passionate about today, that's great, but it may not be what they're passionate about tomorrow, because as I change so changes the world, you know, so it's not like we're living and we're going to be only passionate about what we're passionate today because we're going to learn things. And -hmm. we're going to become passionate about other things, which brings me to you know as we kind of wrap up I want to give you an opportunity to share about. about your company and how it relates to the intersection of mental health, sports, and racial and social justice. Because there's been a lot of those intersections right now. And as we're approaching the Olympic year, um, I think that this is just going to be even more as as the summer progresses.
1: Yes, I definitely anticipate more of that. Um, So with my company, uh, WCM Sports Psych, I have a number of different projects that, that I do with it. Um, I do consulting work um, so uh, I work with the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency and um, I provide services for the Olympic athletes um, as a member of the registry for the USOPC's mental health registry and also the work that I've done um, over the past couple of years now with the w- with sorry with the NBA um, with their mental health and wellness program. Um, in addition to that I do talks because it's very important to educate people. I, I love mentoring people and helping people to actually reach their goals and understanding um, how I came to be where I am because, you know, sometimes some people are not really open with, with sharing that. And I think some people feel like they kind of have to hoard information or, or feel like, well, I had to do this on my own, so you have to figure it out too. And, and I counted a lot of that on the way. Um, But the key is also finding other people who are willing to help. So being that person and being able to give back, um, I think representation matters a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, there are not that many um, Black psychiatrists, period, little Black female psychiatrists, and we're kind of like unicorns. So being able to do that, um, I think is invaluable. And I I feel I have a duty to do that. So I do that um, with my company as well. So in addition to actually seeing patients and Caring for athletes, and I find it so rewarding helping people to get over obstacles that are blocking them from attaining their best performance. Um, These are other things that I do. With respect to social justice, I'm actually led a group of sports psychiatrists um, back in January. We put out a statement Um, that was in support of the BIPOC community in light of all the things that were happening and coming, not just newly happening, because it certainly hasn't been new at all, but coming to light, um, especially in 2020, as if the pandemic itself wasn't wasn't enough. enough. Right, the racial racist um, pandemic as well. So I really felt it was important to let athletes know that there are doctors out there who understand, who see them, You understand the struggle of dealing with the issues of the pandemic, like we talked about earlier with careers ending unexpectedly or how it might've affected their training or even if they themselves or family members got sick. Um, But also with the pressures involved with the social justice movement, some people might feel that they wanna speak out but they don't feel like their team or their community would actually support that. Or they feel that they're not comfortable speaking out but there's pressures from other people to do that. Just knowing that that is a valid concern, a valid conflict And there are people who are sensitive to that. Um, There's no way to be exposed to these traumas and these things and not be affected. So if that is the case, you're not abnormal. Um, That is a normal response. And there are people who get it. Um, There are people who see them, who hear them and want to help them. So
0: I'm just, I'm just so thankful for that because not only are you able to see, you know, people in California where you are, but because of telepsychiatry, and the way that the world is right now, you can see people everywhere. You can, you know, be uh, someone who can reach out to you from wherever. I mean, there are nine people on this call who I know on this webinar who may reach out. You know, they mm-hmm. may link up with you on LinkedIn. You know, and just say, "I got to know who this is, and I want to know you better." And because, because, like you said, it is very difficult to imagine how you go from one place to the next, because nobody gives you the secret to the socks. No. You know, and, and if you don't see it in your own family, and and I think you had a, 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 a very special upbringing to be able to see it in your family.
1: Well, the interesting thing is I saw that there are people who are professionals,
0: professionals, and
1: I I saw people, professionals in medicine, Mm -hmm. but no one was a psychiatrist before. No right. one was dealing with, with sports before. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot that I really had to figure out for myself and not by myself, right. but seeking out those people who could be, whether it was mentors or role models, or just paying attention to what was happening.
0: And yeah. I'm not saying that to say that your path was easy. Not at all. I'm just yeah. saying that to say that you were able to see professionals. Yes. You were able to see people who had gone to college, gone to medical school or graduate school and decided on a career and actually implemented that. And in, it's just not a, a real thing for everyone. It was a real thing mm-hmm. for me and my family. My mother and father are both professionals mm-hmm. and but that's not a real thing for everyone.
1: Absolutely. And,
0: and that's a, one of the reasons I'm so thankful that you decided to participate in the Thinking About Building Your Career webinar series, because it is just exactly what I wanted to have this conversation for is just to normalize, say to young women and young men out here that hey, regular people who are just like you do this. They don't fall off the map and do nothing. This is what we do. Everybody is not going to be Beyoncé, but there are gonna the Beyonce effect of life is amazing. But still, professionals are here who have made amazing lives for themselves. And that's what you're showing us and telling us and just giving all the flavor for And I just just want more young women to know that you exist and (laughs) reach out and try to understand how you did it. Look at your LinkedIn profile, see the different scholarships and awards and articles that you're writing so that they can learn from that. I know I do. I share them with my group, and I can't wait to share this podcast with you know more people when it comes out. And uh, can people reach out to you in any way, or what's your preferred method?
1: They can. Um, there's a few ways to follow me. If you're on Twitter, at Dr. Wilsa on Twitter. Um, for Instagram and Facebook, it's at WCM Sports Psych. Um, LinkedIn, just look for my name, Dr. Wilsa Charles Malvo. Um, and email, they can reach me at drwilsa at wcmsportpsych.com. So these are all ways that they can find me.
0: You just got, I just got another, I don't know if you can see the chat, Dr. Malvo. I see things popping up, yes. Thank you, I'll just read this one. Thanks for this inspirational session. Dr. Malvo dropped so many gems. That's from Alyssa, you know, and, and, and just, that's just half of what's going on out there. So people are appreciative. This was time well spent. I, I just want to say to everyone, you know how to find me, Janice Saunders at the Real Janice Saunders. Uh, the Real Saunders and Instagram. And I look forward to connecting with each of you. And if you're interested, you can learn more about the Confident Speakers Club. You can always send me a DM about that. And with that, I want to say thank you and end this, session and ask you to continue doing all the great work that you've been doing and and thank you for the gems
1: thank you so much for inviting me i, mean, I really enjoyed talking with you and i'm so mm-hmm. glad to participate thank you for doing what you're doing because you're making an impact too thank you Absolutely. You're very welcome
0: and thank you to all the young ladies who uh who joined us today well let me see Are, do any of you have any questions that you'd like to ask dr melville if you have a couple of minutes for some questions sure, that's fine I'm just looking at, just put it in the chat if you have a question, ladies or, and gentlemen. We're just getting a lot of thank yous. Thank you vote so much for the wisdom shared. Thank you. Um, I don't see any questions. So I will close this thing up and let you get back to life, back to reality. That's all right. Thank you so much have again. Have a great day. Me. Thank you. Bye-bye. You too, bye. I hope each of you enjoyed this webinar and learned a few gems you can use on your professional journey. For more inspiration and information to build the career of your dreams, follow me on Instagram at TheRealJaniceSaunders. Until then, be busy being who you want to be and living a lifestyle that suits you just fine.